What's up, Nostalgia Pod? Coming at you. I am Pat Sheen with my co-host Dave Martinson. We are bringing you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. But Dave, before we jump into it, tell all of our fans what should they do to support the podcast. Oh, Pat, I'm glad you asked. Please go to SoundCloud.com/slash/NostalgiaPod. Stay plugging. Find all of our links. Most importantly, YouTube, where we would really appreciate if you subscribed on YouTube. Big help. Also, you can find us on iTunes there, our best songs of 2017 Spotify playlist. It's all there, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. So help us out if you could, because it really helps. Yeah, and you can also follow us on Twitter, at Marty Swagger, at Genie World Peace, and at NostalgiaPod to follow the pod. We've had some excellent tweets done up by your boy Dave, who also now has access to 280 character tweet if he chooses. That's true. How do you feel with all that power? Also, the Nostalgia Pod account got the 280 as well, so... But guess who didn't? You didn't get it? No. I was surprised the pod account got it because it's, you know, less followers than the personal right. account. So. Yeah. Wow. I, I I assumed you got it. I thought everyone got no, it. No. You know, it's funny. I keep checking and it still says 140. And at this point, I think they're just like, you need to up your, your tweet game. So they're just trying to motivate me, keep me hungry. They know. I, I, I can't hate on it. <laughs> but it's so funny because some of the people that I saw that got it, I bet I, our friend Chris, Lola Bataglia, definitely oh, got it. damn. That's just stupid to give it to him. He, would, he wouldn't know what this tweet for 200 Well, he's just, he's going to talk about <laughs> stuff, but he's not going to name what he's talking about. There's going to be no nouns. No hashtags. It's going to be just, wow, Criminal Minds was crazy this week. Or, I can't believe he did that. Like Eric Bledsoe. I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, but at least Eric Bledsoe, it's like, people care. You know? <laughs> anyway, so we're going to be talking a lot of Disney news. We're going to be talking about Sam Smith's new album. And Thor Ragnarok, which, spoiler alert, we really enjoyed. But why don't we start with Disney LA Times. So this is a story that kind of dropped late yesterday afternoon, was it? Or maybe early afternoon. Well, it resolved yesterday. Like I think it happened late last week and kind of boiled over over the weekend. They basically had put a ban on the LA Times because they had been doing some investigative journalism into Disney's dealings and Anaheim. Yeah, in Anaheim. It, it, I don't know. Can you give us a little more background on this story? Right. So the whole controversy came up because Disney revoked the LA Times, you know, a very popular, successful newspaper. They, they lost their press screening, so they couldn't see Thor Ragnarok in advance to have a review prep. So as soon as the embargo goes up, they can post the review like everyone else, get the fair share of clicks, and everyone's happy. Kind of when all, you know, everyone knew it happened, because that's the LA Times, like, hey, this is why we don't have our Thor review ready, because we didn't get to, you know, see it in advance, because Disney is blocking us and there's a very long story that i think posted last month about disney's relationship with the city of anaheim uh, obviously that's where disneyland mm-hmm. is located that's their second most profitable park after disney world in orlando i skimmed the piece i uh, read a lot of the beginning anyway there's a lot to it it's a good read and actually this whole you know scandal brought more attention to the piece which is funny no one was really talking about it until this happened you know not to go into the piece but it's really just about how disney probably could do more to help the city they get a lot of cutbacks and stuff that being said they do drive a huge part of the anaheim economy so you can see both ways but it does seem like disney could be doing more to help out the city anyway so what happened monday and tuesday was that all these other outlets like the new york times the av club they're like hey we're not going to review any disney movies in solidarity with the la times until they lift the ban and then uh Ava duvernay who has a disney movie coming out next mm-hmm. year said she supported everyone which is kind of big and then uh, tuesday morning the la film critics association new york film critics circle 
Boston Society of Film Critics and the National Society of Film Critics said they would not consider any Disney films for their end-of-year awards, and that voting was coming up in a few Good. weeks. And then later Tuesday, Disney lifted the ban, and, you know, I think it's a sign of a free press. But, yeah, I mean, Disney, uh, we'll get to the next news about becoming more of a conglomerate, some evil empire shit going on with the LA Times, but it worked out because everyone stood up. It's important, especially as there's been a lot of political misguidings around what is news and, and what is fake news, so to speak, and just how yeah. the media... Attacking yeah, the media exactly and stuff. Exactly how the media is portrayed. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that the media does that people don't like, but this is something that I don't think should be accepted by anybody is, you know, basically putting a ban on people getting access to something based on not liking a story. I mean, if you're doing something and it's brought to light or you don't like the way it's written about, give an interview and give your side of it. But just basically revoking access to something pretty much just says that, one, you're being a child, and two, it makes it seem like there's more to hide. Like, there's really something to what they're reporting and that they're actually on the right track. So, I don't know. Disney, that not, not such a great move on their part, but they're huge. I don't I don't see it really affecting their bottom line in any sense. No, so. uh, but what, what about this Fox, 21st Century Fox possible purchase? It wouldn't be purchasing all of Fox Media, but particularly the the movie IP, I think, is a really interesting part of it. Yeah, so obviously because of, you know, antitrust laws and monopoly stuff and right. whatnot, they wouldn't be acquiring Fox a channel because you can't have two broadcast networks. They already have ABC, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be getting any of the news stuff or any of the sports stuff, FS1, anything I wish like they that. would get the news. <laughs> right, so it would be just be 21st Century Fox. Obviously, we know the famous title card with the Thunderdons. Mm-hmm. And the lights. Right, so this would be kind of just an acquisition of all their projects and all that IP, and there's a lot of distribution rights, really. Um, the reasoning, uh, this was reported by, uh, I believe, CNBC, kind of went into that Fox thought, you know, looked at, looked ahead, and they really, you really need scale in media to succeed, and they really didn't see any room for Fox to make any more acquisitions or really improve when you see the several billion dollar budgets that Netflix and soon Apple will be throwing into the mix. Fox thought that they should kind of condense what they do as a brand and they could kind of get out of the entertainment space. That's the thinking. Right. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, Disney, they get everything, blah, blah, blah. But like, look at it from the way Fox is thinking. It, it kind of makes economical sense. But what's exciting about this, of course, is uh, Disney, reportedly, they were in talks, they're not talking right now, it hasn't happened or anything. But if this was to happen and thought that it got this far to us, I mean, I would say it's very likely, I'd, I'd imagine. Anyway, they would be getting all that crazy IP, so it, it would be really exciting. Yeah, you know, you tweeted this out from our account. Disney really has been acquiring a lot of movie IP. Pixar in 2006, Marvel in 2009, Lucasfilm 2012, and 21st Century Fox possibly this year and next. It's kind of crazy to think, basically, it's like you talked about how there's like antitrust laws, things like that, but it's becoming like as close to a monopoly as I think that they'll allow to have, especially in, in one industry. So there's still all those other big studios, sure. you know, like Paramount and whatnot. So it's not like Disney owns the whole movie space. And again, like all the streamers and tech giants are coming in the film mm-hmm. space. So, you know, I, I don't really see a problem with that. But obviously what's exciting is all the IP Disney could potentially get. Avatar, Alien, Independence Day, Planet of the Apes, X-Men. Predator. But what's most exciting, of course, would be X-Men right. and Fantastic Four finally getting back into the movie rights going back to Disney mm-hmm. where they could join the Marvel Cinematic Universe at some point. So that obviously would be the uh, most exciting stuff because we haven't had a good Fantastic Four movie and the X-Men films have been up and down. I mean, imagine one day the X-Men and the Avengers meet up years down the line. 
exciting that it could finally happen. I mean, not that long ago, they blew our minds when they loaned out Spider-Man from Sony. Right. Now they might potentially just fucking buy Fox. Like, it's quite the step up. You know, it's actually, (laughs) just looking through some of the movies that 21st Century Fox has the rights to, there's a lot of, like, kids' movies in here. I think that that's actually probably the sphere where I could see them having the biggest impact. Because, I mean, I think some of these are pretty good. Disney. But, like, Disney just does kids' movies so well that they could really take a lot of this stuff to, like, the next level and really For sure. just, like, monetize it, too, so well. Like, uh, looking here, it's, like, Ice Age. I, don't, I never see, like, Ice Age toys or, like, what mm-hmm. was the one with Alec Baldwin as the baby that came out recently? Like, Baby Boss. The Boss yeah, Baby. or whatever. Like, that's kind of stuff that Disney can really, I think, expand upon. X-Men, there's a lot of merchandise that's, that's built around that just because it, it was an institution before it even became movies. So, no, it's definitely exciting. And also, you'd imagine that if Disney did get control of the X-Men film property again, they would probably build up the X-Men comics line again because in a kind of a, you know, again, like an evil empire Disney kind of way, when they realized that, you know, they knew a lot, but they kind of short-shrifted the X-Men in the comics and didn't really have that many books going because they didn't have movies for them. So now that they could probably build that back up. But also, uh, we talked about the Disney streaming service that's coming out in 2019, and this is a whole slew of movies that would just add to the appeal of that service. So it would definitely be huge if it happened. And also, Disney would get FX and National Geographic channels hmm, as well. Interesting. So that means that they would get Atlanta and a lot of other really good shows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love FX. Donald Glover going to yeah, be big news basically sure. owned by being Han's, uh, Han Solo's sidekick as Lando, and then you know they're going to be uh, producing his TV Simba. show. Yeah, Simba. Crazy. By the way, people were going nuts on Twitter about the final Lion King cast. I mean, they clearly don't listen to At Nostalgia Pod because most of that cast we had already talked about. I know. About. They, gotta, they gotta stay up with it, but... Beyonce was the kind of the yeah. big one that we had known. Queen B. Anyways, let, let's jump to the Sam Smith album. So this is Sam Smith's sophomore album titled Thrill of It All, and it's got a picture of Sam Smith with a new haircut on the cover. What do you think about the new do? Meh. Yeah. Eh. Come on, uh, guy. <laughs> I mean, he's a weird-looking dude. He is. He's also kind of a... I don't, kind of like don't like him as a personality because he just said a bunch of dumb shit. Like, right. He's not that smart. He's not that woke. It's yeah. okay. But he's he also you know? pretty young. <laughs> I mean... He means well. I'm not... I don't hate him. Right. But, you know, he said some dumb shit. He's 25, I think. I feel like he kind of goes away, which he's just not... He's not exactly. that big of a celebrity at this point, which is okay. He's a great singer. He shows off his pipes on this album. I mean, he probably does falsetto better than anybody else in the game right now but what was your overall take from this going in this is only his second album and like you said he does go away as a famous person but he also very quickly became a fucking huge pop star that's the reason we're talking about it i mean we're not huge fans of this kind of soulful pop music in general in the lonely hour his debut album one best pop vocal album Mm -hmm. it was nominated for album of the year the year beck won four times platinum in the u.s alone 12 times platinum across the globe seven times in the uk where he's from i mean He's an absolute force, and shout out Disclosure. That's where he right. came out. We love Disclosure. With Latch. Right, so going into this, Sam Smith, with all the songwriters, all the producers at his disposal, all these resources, you know, I was kind of hoping that it would kind of be more of a statement album, because in the lonely hour, you have Stay With Me. I'm not the only I'm, one. I'm not the only one. It's two big hits, but as an album, it's not, you know, much to talk about. Right. And this new album is kind of the same boat, which I thought was really disappointing for me, because, you know, I was hoping you kind of have more of a cohesive project, but I think lyrically, it's kind of... Meh. I don't know, it's kind of like middle school lyrical content. Like, it's, here's how I feel, and I'm going to write a whole paragraph about it. There's nothing left to your imagination. Right. Honestly, it's funny. I, I had to listen to it. 
twice, but that was only because I got through six songs and I, I was driving when I was listening to it. And I was like, this is just too fucking boring. Dangerous. And Yeah, and that's the thing is for someone who has the pipes that he has and such a unique voice, to kind yeah. of just be so bland is incredibly disappointing. He has so much potential and I feel like really this became, this is almost in the Lonely Hour part two, just very boring, very similar material and nothing that really jumped out at me. And, th- and that's crazy to say with someone who has the strength of his voice when you can reach those notes you should be have like a whitney houston like i will always love you moment in almost every album and that's the thing too like he's a vocal driven artist kelly clarkson mm-hmm. kind of paved the way for this a while ago like I said whitney adele vocal driven artist right why does she stand out because she is immaculate songwriting mm-hmm. demi lovato vocal artist great song production a lot of variety but sam smith it's just very bland and i think the songs i liked the most were the songs that had uh, additions to him too good goodbyes the lead single and then nothing left for you both have this awesome background chorus which really makes the song feel like i'm in church but like really soulful really lively almost which you know when he's on his own it's just not like that yeah and there's what's the song where he has a guest vocalist on it there's only one i'm trying to think i didn't write it down but uh it's a female. I think her name is like Serba or some something along those lines. Seba. Right. That was the one that I stood out the most to me because just it, it was a different sound. I think even though I didn't feel like the song was excellent song by any means, it was something where I was like, oh, it's different. Like he's bringing in a, someone else to sing with him, someone that brings a totally different vibe to the song. I didn't hate that song. Too Good at Goodbyes. It's a good song. It's a hit. People will be playing it. I'm so disappointed because I was like, Taylor Swift is going to dominate the end of the year. Then I was like, oh, Sam Smith's dropping an album. He's going to challenge her. Taylor Swift's song has been disappointing too, but I still think she's going to dominate the end of the year just because her star is that much bigger and this album can't challenge the, the power of, of her celebrity. Yeah, exactly. Like Taylor Swift's reputation already is 400,000 pre-orders. <laughs> and even though all the, the lead singles are Meh. disappointing on the charts and Do Good Goodbyes is like top 15 right now still. But yeah, I mean... I don't really, he's, this is not going to last, you know, I mean, yeah, probably get some Grammy attention to a little bit, but I, I got to shout out the song Him, just because I think that that's a coming out song that'll probably resonate with gay teens, and I want to, I mean, that's, you know, not that I can really speak to that, but I, I, I think that song has been getting a lot of well-deserved right. praise. But yeah, overall, disappointing given the resources and people he could have around him. He had no reason not to make something better, I guess. I almost it. want him to find someone that he likes to sing with and make like a collaboration album someone that he that can push him to challenge himself as an artist at this point because i feel like he is in danger of moving forward and just being like this is my lane and this is all i can do but i mean yeah this is someone who came who broke out with an edm song you know it's like you can be more than just this this amazing voice that like you can actually be a real artist um not that there there are much of similarity for singing but i just kind of thought of like the career of like josh groban yeah. You know, like, no one really, like, thinks of him in high regard. He's just kind of right. Late, you know, and he's a good singer. This promise of Sam Smith, who's still a young man, like, we expect that. Exactly. Exactly. Especially for somebody who I think a lot of people after his last album were like, this guy could be the male Adele moving forward. And yeah, absolutely. Adele has so. never put out an album this bad. But something we, we really enjoyed, and it's funny because it, to give a little behind the scenes, I hadn't been able to make it to the movies. That's why we're recording this a little bit later. Dave was like adamant that we could not record this week until I saw this movie. So Dave forced me to see it. I'm glad he did. Thor Ragnarok, a movie that I think I was I wasn't sure about. You know, the trailers looked really good. Had a much different vibe than most of the Marvel and especially the, the Thor films have had. It was uh, directed by Taika 
Watiti, is that, did I say that correct? Yep. From Damn, New I Zealand. can't believe I nailed it. Who actually, I, I can't wait to talk about him as a character in the movie. Because, <laughs> Korg. Yeah, Korg was just amazing. But what, what was your expectation for this movie? Yeah, so we talked about the trailer, you know, ways back when it dropped. You can check that out on YouTube where we have all our breakouts. Check out right. our Nostalgia Reacts playlist where you'll find our trailer reactions. So, you know, we saw this trailer. It kind of came out of left field. Like, yeah, we knew the Hulk would be in it. We knew Jeff Goldblum was cast. We didn't know that it was going to be this funny. And the right. trailer immediately set off that vibe. This is much more comedic, a much looser film. Lighter. And was, yeah, exactly. And such a, which is such a welcome thought before we even saw it, given the first two Thor movies are two of the more disliked or ignored MCU movies. While they do some of the heavy lifting in terms of establishing the Thor Asgard stuff, the movies themselves are kind of dull. So yeah, that was a very exciting idea that we see this movie and it just delivers. I mean, it's two hours of nonstop fun. I think at mm-hmm. the very worst, you see this movie and you have a great time, even if you have the right. biggest Marvel fan. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You see the trailer and you have Led Zeppelin Immigrant Song, which, just a side note, I think if you put Led Zeppelin into almost anything at this point, it makes it more fun. Like, there was a scene at the end of Mindhunters, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on, uh, I guess, season recap or thoughts on it in Year some end. respect. But the season end of that uses in, in the Light by Led Zeppelin. And I've been, like, thinking about that scene since I watched it. It's, it was just so perfect. How pre- how prominent that Led Zeppelin was in this. I mean, he comes in twice. First scene. Yeah. <laughs> fucking awesome and it sets the tone right away just by the way that thor breaks down the wall with the audience the fourth wall with the audience that he's talking about this is where i'm at and i bet you're wondering how i got to here and yeah. it's really it sets the tone right away and it's it's such a different direction as you said for thor which is very actually almost like self-serious which is interesting i know a superhero that's like a god from another universe it was a strange i think that this was the right move so i guess just to kind of break down the movie what were the parts that stand out in your mind or that you really think are important to break down yeah well i think chris hemsworth actually kind of talked about this before the movie came out they make thor as a character much more likable and uh charming we've seen chris hemsworth act well in rush and he was actually funny in the ghostbusters movie one of the few good parts to it and you know thor in the uh, avengers movies and the thor movies kind of been a almost like a straight man like there's been comedic elements Mm -hmm. with him in hulk but he's kind of just kind of been dull and he was no one's really favorite character. You know, people just kind of like Hemsworth. That was kind of it. So this kind of really just totally reinvigorated the whole Thor brand. And now people really, really like Thor. And I think this is this is huge because, you know, as we're heading towards Avengers Infinity War, you want people to care about Thor because, you know, we assume a lot of stuff's going to happen there and maybe he becomes a pillar for the universe moving forward. But either way, I think one of the most important things that happened was that they totally reinvigorated the Thor character. Yeah, you know, as you think about Thor and they're moving towards Infinity War, bringing all of these characters together, Thor is probably going to have to be one that's going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting to get, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy involved and yep. pull in some of these heroes who are out in space. He's a really essential character, and moving in this direction makes so much sense, especially as, you know, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. is going to be Iron Man forever. There was already rumors that Chris Evans didn't want to be Captain America anymore. So you're really moving in a direction of who's going to be the old guard in a way. And I think Hemsworth could do that easily, especially with the way that the character moved. Probably one of the scenes that I found most endearing was when him and Hulk were, he was trying to convince Hulk to help him out. And they're sitting down. He's like, we're the same, you and I. And Hulk, you know, Hulk's like, no, Hulk is fire, you're water. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fire too. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, but Hulk's, Hulk's raging fire. Thor smoldering. Thor, 
<laughs> smoldering. <laughs> just so good, and the way that he they played off each other was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also just I guess I'll talk about it now. Yeah. The, the director as Scorg was Korg was so freaking funny. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, sh- shout out Tycho in general because yeah. you you listen to him do any press about the movie, he uh, actually gives Marvel a lot of credit for being very hands off about the shoot, which is you know the old Mar- Disney Marvel Studios obviously is not the case. Joss Whedon right. and Edgar Wright can tell you about that. So the fact that he kind of he ran like an open loose shoot playing music and they were riffing on the script and it really looks like the whole cast was having a good time and obviously nonstop jokes, but then to top it all off, he's voicing this absolutely hilarious breakout character. Right. Um, for crying out loud, he introduces himself with a rock, paper, scissors joke. <laughs> you can't even argue at this point. The MCU, Marvel, is at its best when it's comedic. Yeah. The best movies are funny. Guardians, this movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, Robert Downey Jr. The best stuff is when they're lighter and funny, and Tycho brought a nice, fresh take on everything and getting the action himself. Well, uh, you know, actually, that's a really great point about the movies being best when they're funny. Because if you even think about where this IP started, it's with comic books. In comic books, I mean, some of the like the most well-known ones are like Logan or The Killing Joke, some very self-serious ones, but for the most part, comic books are supposed to be fun. These worlds are supposed to be enjoyable and funny and light-hearted for the most part, and it seems strange that it almost like took them this long to really figure that out, but they've been incorporating more and more into the film. I wouldn't say that it took them this long to figure it out so much as that Marvel, like, they earned this, you know? They, they put in sure. such hard work laying all the groundwork, and Tycho actually shouts out the first two Thor movies. He's like, hey, you guys built up Loki for me and told everyone what the Bifrost was, you know? Like, right. he just got to come in with his crayons and have fun in Asgard. He didn't have to explain mm-hmm. what Asgard was. True. But yeah, I mean, Marvel in general, I mean, Black Panther's the next movie coming out. It's still kind of mind-blowing, that, but they got this point, you know? They, they were able to change calculated risk and get weird with Thor, one of the most important characters they have. And, and you're speaking about comic books, I mean, one of the most exciting things about this movie when we learned more about it was that they were taking parts of Planet Hulk, and Planet Hulk was one of the most famous Hulk storylines from the mid-2000s, and we see a lot of it on film. You know, he's on a faraway planet, and he becomes a famous gladiator, and what was so important about Planet Hulk as a comic was that it was not a Bruce Banner story. It was a Incredible Hulk story. But I think we got a lot of that. Like, we got you got some great moments as the Hulk being Hulk, you know, before he became yeah. Banner. Anywhere you look, I think this movie is just a resounding success. Yeah, and especially, I think, with the villain. Hello. Shout out Kate Blanchett for being OG badass in this because yeah. she plays it so well, like, as kind of likable and kind of hateable at the yeah. same exact Charming. Time. Yes. You know, I also think it was, you know, touching on, like, the family aspects that I think a lot of people like to tune into, mm-hmm. like, about her basically being cast off and that there was secrets and how that impacted how Thor and Loki understood their dad. And, I mean, it, right. it wasn't brought up too much in the movie, but it was somewhat. And then how it pitted, like, family against each other was very interesting. I also think one of the things that I liked most about this movie was it brought in characters for like and everybody got their moment to shine like Doctor Strange you know you talk about how Marvel really earned this like Doctor Strange's 10 minutes in this is fantastic it's so much fun it, especially when you see them going from place to place and Thor has the beard and he just keeps like falling into things because he's so disoriented just like little things like that and like how it all makes sense of why he like even like took Loki in the first place and put him in that's that constant falling on a third dimension it's really cool like to see all these little moments kind of pop up it made sense and that was actually one of the things that as a someone who's seen most of the movies i can follow these movies but my i brought my girlfriend julianne who didn't even really like thor before and she left saying 
that was the most fun I've had at one of the superhero movies. And she said, and I could follow it. Like, it made a lot of sense, which I was like, oh, so for someone that has a hard time following these things, for this to be that simple is a really good sign. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the Doctor Strange scene, I think, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was funny. Is it extraneous? Yeah, probably. Sure. You don't need it in the film, but that's fine. Marvel's got to the point where they can pull off that scene. It doesn't impact the movie. Just like yeah. Robert Downey Jr. didn't hurt Homecoming. And I think Hella, you said, like, I mean, Hella, did she have some exposition dialogue just kind of talking to uh, Scourge, Carl Urban's character, kind of explaining stuff to her? But overall, she kind of did what she needed to do in the movie and was, I think, lively enough on screen that it was fine. Couldn't help but think of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith when Hella shows up and she kills the Warriors 3, who were yeah. in the first two Thor movies and actually, you know, had bigger parts to play and she just kind of like with kills them like really fast and i was like oh wait that's like when uh, mace windu shows up to palpatine's off and palpatine immediately kills the three other jedi masters with <laughs> with mace i was like wow like, I, I had flashbacks ptsd right. from that yeah i mean killing those guys off having odin die and then asgard itself going away kind of expected that given the ragnarok name storyline yeah. but, but it, again it's kind of setting the table to move the universe forward because i mean Let's be real. We're not gonna. We weren't gonna spend more time doing these solo Thor movies in, in Asgard. No. We we had our fun and we're moving it on. I thought it just it works so well and the fact that it was so funny just kind of made it made the fact that it was a annihilation story much more enjoyable. Yeah, I felt like there was just really good chemistry with the whole cast and like you said, it's something that that they've earned and built up. But especially between Thor and Loki, which I think there's always been, but this was the most they've gotten to be like together playing off each other. And Hiddleston is just. Like, oh, he's great. He's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Homecoming. That's actually this is really interesting. So those are probably the two Marvel movies that I mean, if they're, if they're the only two that have come out this year, correct? And Guardians too. And Guardians, right? So they're actually batting three for three because I thought those were all really great movies. Out of those two, though, because I don't think Guardians is in this discussion. Which two movies are more important to the franchise moving forward? Like which one? Yeah, it's a great question. It's tough because on one hand. No one cared about Thor, so the fact that we tied off the Asgard loose end wasn't that big of a deal. Right. If you think about the Thor Ragnarok, it's pretty uh, inconsequential. Getting Thor and friends ready to show up for Infinity War, that's really all that all this happens, you know? Right. Then Ho- Homecoming is, I think, more important because it's mm-hmm. a solo movie, not an origin movie, which was great about it. But we reestablished Spider-Man and made him so immediately likable again, joining back in the MCU. So I, I would say Homecoming is more important. But, I mean, you can go either way because neither one is super consequential. You know, right. neither one is Civil War or Avengers. So, you know, it's an interesting thought. I agree with you, though. I think Homecoming is more important because, one, you get Tom Holland as someone to basically build these movies off of moving forward as a yes. legitimate star for them. But Thor Ragnarok is so important because it, it allows them to continue to be weird with these movies, which is what we really want. I mean, we want them to hit on the main things. We want to see the characters we want to see. We want to see them doing things together. But to be able to take risks and more chances, see that it works and people respond well to them doing different things is really exciting especially because like i've never even heard of haiku before now he's somebody that i'm like i like to see this guy take a shot at some other film moving forward like especially franchises or things like that because it seems like he has a really fun perspective on making movies yeah he, he has some uh popular movies i think it's uh what's it called uh comes in the shadows i forget he he had some okay. movies that got some some indie love but yeah no blockbusters yet but i think he was actually attached to doing uh, akira next oh. uh, he hasn't signed on or anything but that would be huge of course but yeah i mean shout out to him and, you know i I thought about this as soon as I saw Ragnarok. I was like, is 2017 the best Marvel Cinematic Universe year? You have Guardians 2, Spider-Man.
Spider-Man Homecoming and Thor Ragnarok. The only other year that I think compares is 2014, which is The Winter Soldier and Guardians 1. And a lot of people probably have Winter Soldier and Guardians 1 above all the movies this year. You know, I could see it either way. But I think these are the two best years, I think, pretty easily. Yeah, I would put it behind just because Winter Soldier and Guardians 1 are just fantastic films but these two are i mean these three uh, guardians 2 for some reason i keep forgetting about but man these two movies are really really good <laughs> it's a marvel just stays winning i don't know i don't see anything that could derail them at this point i mean and we look ahead to uh next year we have black panther in february oh my god dude black panther's trailer came on and i was like on the edge of my seat it looks so fucking with that theater sound too yeah hell yeah if any wars in may and then uh, ant-man the wasp ant-man 2 comes out in july ah. so okay that's cool and then 2019 we have captain marvel whatever they call infinity war 2 and spider-man homecoming 2 whatever that's called and then 2020 all that's attached there is guardians 3 without an actual date so i'd imagine probably by the end of 2019 you get the uh, big announcement again for what the phase four movies are and you know with right. captain marvel and guardians going on and for war again like we're getting weird and that's what's so exciting yeah. that these movies are so successful that we can get so weird. So that's where kind of that's where we're at. You know, just to kind of pull out of this discussion a bit, but keep it on movies. The trailers that I got were Star Wars Episode Eight. Yes, <laughs> I finally saw the trailer. <laughs> yeah, what what did you think? Uh, it was good. You know, I mean, I didn't feel like it revealed any. I don't know. There was that no. whole hoopla of it spoiling stuff, and I was like, no, it didn't. No. It's fine. I don't think so either. And then Black Panther. And then Justice League. Yeah, I do Justice League, and you're like, oh no, right? Be good. <laughs> I know. Well, that, that was the thing is, I, but every time I turned Julianne, I was like, I want to see this. Like, I want to see this. And Justice League, I was like, I'm gonna see I ha- this. I, like, <laughs> I have to see this. Right. I know. I, I mean, know, Ezra the, Miller looks funny. Hopefully yeah. He's a he's a big help, you know. And Jason Momoa, it looks like he might be pretty badass in this. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's gonna be interesting for Justice League. DC, the pressure's on because Marvel can't miss right now. So. They need something right. to compete. Like I've said this before, Justice League unfortunately was made like the production of it. DC post Wonder Woman, it's so exciting. Then we have Justice League, which feels like a pre Wonder Woman movie, even though it's coming out afterwards. Right. So Flash movie and Aquaman movie. Aquaman comes out next year. If Aquaman strikes out, then I'd really be worried. But Justice League, I'm almost giving it a pass. I'm like, it's probably not going to be great. But again, I want to see what's next after that. Yeah. Anyways, we'll, we'll probably start wrapping up there. Any more thoughts on Thor before we go? Yeah, I actually had uh, one last question for you. We have to sure. talk about the Chris Wars, post-Ragnarok. Uh, How do you feel about Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, and Chris Pratt? Where, where's your ranks at? You know, it's funny. I, I was watching some of Moneyball last night, and I was like, wow, Chris Pratt and Scott Hattenberg. That's kind of where he started off with, like, big movies. You know, I think Chris Pine actually yep. right now holds the belt Absolutely. which is crazy i don't think i've ever really considered him as like belt holder but he definitely does but hemsworth just is the, up there yeah I, I think pine overall is just in the best movies and he does a lot yeah. of variety like star trek beyond was dope but he's in wonder Woman. right it's gonna be in this netflix uh he's gonna be robert the bruce the scottish independence guy in uh, for netflix which sounds cool and then like like pratt we like pratt he's enjoyable but he's only been his one thing in Guardians yeah. and Jurassic World, and then Passengers, obviously. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> and then Evans also doesn't seem to act a whole lot. I know. He, he acts, but like he doesn't, he's not in anything notable in right. a while, besides like Snowpiercer, you know? Everything else is just him as Captain America, which is a straight man. So 
I think Hemsworth, I mean, he was in the, in the Heart of the Sea, that uh, Moby Dick movie, which kind of struck out. So he hasn't had a whole lot of success away from Thor, but we know he can do it. So like, I think his stock was definitely up, but I still right. have Chris Pine number one. Yeah, it's just crazy. If you had asked me that like four years ago, there's no, well, three years ago when Guardians 1 came out, I would have been like, it's going to be Chris Pratt, he's going to hold the belt. It'll be Indiana Chris Jones, right. be Nathan Drake. I know, and then he's falling off. I don't know, we'll see. It, it changes so quickly. They just need one good movie to come out and just probably flip around. But anyways, as Dave said at the beginning, subscribe to the pod. Go to soundcloud.com slash pod. Subscribe on YouTube. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. Tweet at us at NostalgiaPod, at Martin Swagger, at Sheeny World Peace. Show us off your 280 characters if you got it. I think if you're tweeting at someone or replying, 280 is fine. Right. But just evergreen tweets... No. Keep it brief. I, I completely agree. But I've seen some people abusing their power already, and it makes me very discouraged for the future of Twitter. It's going to be fine. Because, like, I'm seeing, like, 210 character tweets. It's, like, a one and a half. I'm like, can, can you just do what you used to do and think a little harder? Keep it, keep right. it smaller? Like, come on. Bulmani Jones today said that he thinks Twitter has helped make him a more concise writer, which is I thought was really interesting. I 100% agree, because it takes away your passive voice, because passive right. voice takes up more characters. And obviously mm-hmm. that's horrible writing and your adverbs and stuff. So yeah, I think trying to think of tweets actually makes you think about writing in a positive way. Yeah, definitely. What do we got for next week? What's on the docket? We got Taylor Swift reputation. If we can listen to it, it might not be available on streaming. Yeah, we can find a, we can find somewhere to download. I mean, I certainly ain't gonna purchase it, Taylor. I know that's all you care about <laughs> is your know. money. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll chime in on Taylor Swift for sure. I saw a great Oscar movie called The Florida Project via MoviePass, which I am now a subscriber of. So I, we can talk about that at some point. Lady Bird comes out. I, I might actually see that this weekend as well, because that movie has 100% Rotten Tomatoes with like 90 reviews. Saoirse Ronan killing it. Greta Gerwig movie. So, you know, we have some stuff to talk about there. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express comes out. Huge blockbuster cast. I love that book. So I'm, I'll probably go see that regardless of what people say about it how far are you on stranger things i've seen six episodes i'm planning to wrap it up asap so would you like to do a full season discussion next week yeah man i it happened where we sat down on sunday and we just like saw five in a row it was like it just happened and we were like i was like i need to stop because i can't watch the whole season from episodes four through nine in one sitting right i hear you yeah at least break it up in like three chunks as we said last week. Yeah, I mean, we got to ch- chime in on Mr. Robot at some point. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm liking still it. an episode behind, but yeah, it's really good this season. We should probably, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do Taylor, catch up on some uh, TV, and that will give me, because I'm not going to be able to get to the movies this weekend for sure. It'll give me some time to get to see those movies. At. In general, I endorse MoviePass. My first experience was 100% painless. So if you're on the fence, you can check out our MoviePass breakout where we explain the whole thing, but I'm a big fan. We'll wrap it up there, but we love you guys. We'll see you next week, and tweet at us if you want to talk about anything on the pod. Peace out.